Hello, this is Robert Fleming. I'm a partner in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And you're listening to Elder Law Issues, which is our weekly podcast about, hold on, wait for it, Elder Law Issues. With me today, as most weeks, is my partner, my law partner, or I should say one of my law partners, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, my partner in crime in the Elder Law Issues podcast. Elizabeth, Hello, how are you today? I'm great, Robert. I'm also a wine drinking partner of yours, <laughs> a dog walking partner of yours. I will tell you one thing I am not. I am not elderly yet. <laughs> <laughs> I so remember the very first time I called myself an elder law attorney and an elderly client came in, sat down the, the table across from me in the conference room and said, you're the elder law attorney? I was called a baby attorney this week, and well, at 36 and on my way to managing partner, sooner rather than later, I was uh, full of smiles because I'm going to take that as a compliment as long as I can get it. (laughs) Well, so this week, rather than talking about our personal histories, I I thought we would talk about uh, an area of planning that comes up quite a bit, estate planning, for people who don't have children. We're seeing a lot of clients, married couples often, sometimes it's single people or widows or widowers who just never had children for whatever reason. Uh, And and they pose some specific kinds of issues for us to deal with. Are you also seeing that more recently? I I am, Robert. And my husband, Doug, and I don't have children. And uh, neither one of us expect to have children. And we're, we're good with that. And a lot of the estate planning clients that I happen to have are people who may or may not be married, uh, people who don't have kids either and don't plan on having children. Some of those folks are in their 80s and 90s. Other people are in their 30s. What I would tell you is there are a couple of, of things to, to let people know who are listening today about estate planning for, for folks with no kids. First of all, it's okay. You're accepted. We are going to be happy to have you as clients, and you should not feel any guilt coming in to see us and trying to explain why you don't have kids. That's one big hurdle. I I sit down with people, and they start apologizing for not having kids and don't know how to plan. They aren't sure if they really need a will. So the second thing to say is, yes, if you don't have children, you are in that category of estate planning clients who really need to make estate plans. In fact, you're the folks who we really want to see because most often the people that I see without children are are people who really have more complex plans that they want to put in place. They want to include possible charities and friends or families. Um, they're, They're people who've actually given a lot of time to thinking about their estates. A lot of the clients that I've seen who are do not have children of their own are particularly attached to their nieces and nephews, typically. Sometimes it's more distant relatives, but most often it's nieces and nephews. Uh, and, and the niece and nephew cohort stands in for children in the estate plan. But as you say, that's not always true. It's often other uh, friends in the community. One of the things that happens when you decide to name people who are friends in the community as beneficiaries of your estate, and for that matter, as fiduciaries on your will and trust, is that those people tend to be the same age you are, and that means that the dynamics of your relationship are going to change more rapidly than they will in some familial settings. I think that's true, and 
when we start to talk to people about their estate plans, there are really two different conversations that, that I try and sit down and have. One is about how you want your estate to be divided upon your death. Um, have you made plans to leave any money to friends or family or charities? And oftentimes I learn a lot about people and their relationships with their families when we talk about how they want their estate to be divided. The second conversation that we really have and spend time with is the fiduciary conversation because these folks, as you've mentioned, Robert, may have nieces and nephews, they may have relatives, family, or friends to name as a fiduciary, but oftentimes they're really candidates who are trying to find alternate fiduciaries to include in their documents in case a sister or brother is not able to assist them with fiduciary work. And when we say fiduciary work, we mean acting as the person's agent under a healthcare power of attorney or a durable financial power of attorney, acting as a personal representative of someone's estate or a successor trustee. So there are really two distinct parts of that conversation that I find we really spend more time talking to people about who don't have children. One of the things I think is true for this group, the the people who are not either leaving things to their children or naming their children as beneficiaries, I'm sorry, as fiduciaries, uh, one of the things that is true is that we need to see them more often because their family circumstance, their their wishes tend to change more quickly. There's so much social and familial pressure to put your children in charge and to leave things to your children. If you don't have children, that pressure doesn't come to bear in the same way. So that I think we do see them we're seeing more and more of them, particularly in these difficult social and, and med- medical times, um, but we're seeing them more often as well. And I think that's a good thing. When people come in to us and want to have a conversation about how things are going, they may not need an update to their estate plan, but if they don't have kids, one of the things that they often ask us is, would our case management coordinator check in with them yearly just to make sure they're doing okay? We have a lot of questions from estate planning clients who don't have children about how our office can maintain contact, whether or not they may have named us as a successor trustee. And the answer is, let's talk about it. It really depends on your situation. We don't have a separate case management practice. That's part of our estate planning and legal practice here at Fleming and Curdy. And so oftentimes people without kids, when we're having an estate planning meeting, they actually want to meet the case managers that might be working with them down the road. Specifically on the estate planning side, Robert, one thing that often comes up for me is that people without kids really have a strong, strong uh, preference for privacy. And I think that people who I meet with who do have children, they kind of presume on some level their son or daughter may know about their bank accounts or may know about how large their IRA is. But people without kids frequently come in and one of the things they care most about is preserving the privacy around their finances and their accounts. You know, you alluded to something earlier, Elizabeth, that I want to go back to as well. And that is that often people without immediate family, and and by the way, when we say people without kids, sometimes they are people who have kids, but they are so estranged from their children that they might as well be childless, and and we see a fair number of those folks. But uh, people who are not planning to leave things to their kids have a much higher um, tendency to leave things to charities than most of our other clients, and we just love to see that. I I think 
at least in my case, and I suspect this is true for you, Elizabeth, I'm always reluctant to try to guilt people into leaving money to charity. I, I don't want to to pitch it to them and try to convince them that they ought to bypass some of their family and leave it to charity, but I'm delighted when they do. I love to talk to people about their charitable inclinations. And with people without immediate family members, I get much more opportunity to talk to them about charitable gifts and whether the charitable gifts should come from their retirement account or from their life insurance or from the, their accumulated assets. And, and, uh, and, you know, if you leave your house to the Nature Conservancy, what will that actually mean? And that's, by the way, an interesting story to tell that, uh, that people who are inclined to do that should come and talk to us about how the Nature Conservancy, as an illustration, will take your house. Well, Robert, I think we should have a separate podcast talking a little bit about charitable gifts. I've served on the Southern Arizona um, Plan Giving Roundtable Board, and our current partner, Jackie Mingle, is also on that board. It's a wonderful group here in Tucson, and there's a lot to say about charitable giving and folks who don't have children in particular. One thing I will also say is, is that I tend to ask a lot of questions. Sometimes they might feel like prying questions when I meet with people who don't have children and they start wanting to include gifts to people that they may employ. It could be a gardener, housekeeper. It could be somebody in their circle who is a hairdresser or somebody that they regularly see at the nail salon, somebody who's helped care for a pet for years as a pet sitter. And sometimes the reason that I ask those questions talking about why the person may be important or their relationship is because as people age who don't have children, I will say I definitely try and pay quite a bit more attention once they are in the category of vulnerable adult to the people who are spending time with them. And so as you said, Robert, we like to see people come in on a regular basis and if all of a sudden somebody has decided to take all the charities and their nieces and nephews out of their estate plan and leave everything to their new dog sitter, it raises some concerns for me. So I think that there's also special attention that I try and pay um, to make sure that folks are making decisions that are consistent with the history of decisions in their estate plan if they don't have children. Well, this is an interesting topic, or at least we're interested in it. As you can tell, uh, we're pretty animated about this. We love to see clients who, uh, who are outside the ordinary, who, who want to plan for charitable bequests or family members who are more distant or good friends or other kinds of things. We love to talk to people who want to put conditions on their gifts. Um, and we get to do that more often with childless clients and, and, um, and we, we love to see them. Um, and we'll talk about some of the specific things that, uh, that we have to deal with with those clients as we go along in these in these podcast episodes. For now, you've been listening to Elder Law Issues. I'm Robert Fleming, and Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman and I are two of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona law firm, Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And we hope that you will join us in our next episode of Elder Law Issues. Thanks. <music>